Welcome one and all to episode 360 of Signals from Mars. This episode is an hour one music discussion with Jeremy, with Brad Dahl, Dr. Poison, Mr. Yarg Metal himself, and with the return of Metal Dan. Quality music discussion, a lot of different topics that we hit on. Hope you guys enjoy this. Up next. I'm ready. Let's do it! Before hopping on to that discussion, I do want to remind you guys to visit our merch store. We have t-shirts, jackets, hoodies, a bunch of other cool knickknacks that are for sale. The easiest way of getting there is just going to signalsfrommars.com. And all the way to the right, from the top of the page, you'll find merch. Just click there and you can click on through. I get a few dollars for every item sold. Once I get 50 bucks, they'll cut me a check. (laughs) So uh, unless somehow I go gangbusters with that, I don't foresee seeing a check for a while. But the merch is pretty cool. Designed by Anthony Mackey, who's helped design the logo that I have on the Signals from our site. And all over the place where you see me post about the show see any graphic that has signals from Mars on it. It's more than like the original design is Anthony's. I tweak it for the episodes and for the live streams, but uh, that's about it. Uh, you can also follow the show by going to signals from You can find all of the different social media platforms where I post stuff for signals from Mars. You can also find links to YouTube and Twitch and all the other places where I live stream. Also live stream on on Twitter or X, depending on how you call it. You have to be on X to be on Twitter? Ha. Huh. Uh, anyway, what else do we have going on here? Yeah, we have ACDC discussion going on tonight. will be a lot of fun. I don't know exactly who will be joining us. I know some of our patrons will be joining us. The phrase that's been repeated over and over to me is this was a hard one. And no, that's not what she said, but they're referring to the actual episode, the the voting for the episode, I should say. I'm trying to get cute there and I'm fumbling my words anyway. So, yeah, so there's so a lot of people have talked to me about how much ACDC means to them, how much they forgot how cool some of these albums were, how not all of them are gems, but all of them have good songs on them. That's why I do this to refresh people, make them go back, check out bands, check out albums that maybe they forgot about, maybe get discovered or maybe discover certain bands and certain albums. We've had that happen as well over time. So join us tonight if you're listening to this on the day of release, which is Friday the 25th as I'm recording this. And if not, just listen to the replay and let us know if you agree with 
the voting. Real quickly, want to send a shout out to my patrons, Sean Richmond, Chris Sinzak of Decibel Geek Podcast, Tony Espin in Barcelona. We have Anthony Mackey, who I just mentioned. We have Ed Ferguson, Johan Erdström, who missed out this week. Hopefully he'll be back shortly. Metal Dan, who's on tonight's show or on this show. Jose from Connecticut, the metal dentist, Gabriel. We have Dr. Poison, who's on this episode. Mike Jones. Yes, our Mike Jones. We have Mr. Patrons pick Jeremy Weltman, who is on this episode. Twisted Steve Hoker, who we hope to see back shortly. And Steven Saylor. Thank you guys for your support. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. I always say this. I never get tired of saying it. I know that there's a million other shows you can check out, but I appreciate that you're here listening to this show. Thanks once again. Let's get on with it. Welcome one and all to the Friday, August 18th edition of Signals from Mars. We have Jeremy from the UK. We have Metal Dan returning uh, after some time. A hatless Metal Dan at that. He's looking great, by the way. Absolutely. And um, he always looks great. (laughs) And Brad. There was a one time. (laughs) Brad Brad Dahl. Last few episodes in Utah. That's right. The the, the clock is counting down. Clock um, is counting down. We're going to have, a, have yeah, to have to. Put, put in the comments down below where you think I'm going from Utah. There you go. See if anyone guesses. So uh, this is an hour. What prize if you guess right? What, what prize? I'll come up with something. They get, it might they, be uh, some really crappy peisty splash symbol, but it'll be something. Oh, I was going to say, have P- have somebody uh, do an intro on Yarg Metal. Oh, that would be great. Yes. That- yeah. Anybody you want to do an intro on Yarg Metal, jump jump in the chat there. Or jump in the chat over here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And guess where you think Brad is going. So this yeah. is another hour one music discussion. I underline music discussion because it seems as if people have been really digging the album reviews that Jeremy and I have been doing. They've been getting some really good ratings. So that's because hoping- they're, they're brilliant. Well, isn't anything that uh, you three appear on brilliant? Well, that's just you and Jeremy, but anyway, yeah, this is a little extra sprinkling of on top of the go. brilliance. There you go. So, uh, so yeah, so these hour one shows are music discussions with my patrons where we, come up with different items to discuss. Luckily the last few weeks is my brain has been um, trying to plow through thousands of emails that I've been, that have been floating around outlook since the end of June, which I've finally gotten through today. (laughs) Um, uh, Jeremy's been good enough to come up with a bunch of really cool topics. So, and I'm not saying that uh, in the sense that if you guys don't like any of these topics, blame Jeremy. I'm just saying thank you to Jeremy for coming up with these great topics as I am brain farting. So uh, there we go. So the first topic here, we've seen the cult has, has made um, 
a press release where they're using their original name. Well, is it their original name? Weren't they originally Southern Death Cult? Then it became Death Cult. Then it just became The Cult. And there were some trademark issues somewhere along the way. So I don't know which one of those was trademarked or not. But uh, they're planning to go out and just play their early incarnation music. Is it a good idea? And what bands would you like to see doing this? I Can you, can you define early incarnation? What are we talking okay, well, about? Well, since Death Cult is basically the music that supposedly came out in their first three albums. So oh, really? the biggest one out of those three is Love. Of course. Um, because Dream World... Is it called Dream World? Screwing this up. Come on, Victor. You're the cultologist here. I don't know. I, um, I think Jeremy may have me beat on the cult, although they're one of my favorite bands. I'm not as familiar with those first f- few albums. In After Love, yes. Pre-Love, no. Although I've owned them at one time or another. It's, hold on. So they're saying Dreamtime is their first official album. Hmm. I thought there was something then, before Dreamtime. Yeah, they released some EPs, I think. A couple of EPs before that. Okay, so yeah. So there's an EP called Death Cult. Hmm. Is that the one with Blue Sarsano on it? No, it's before he was on. Okay. So this was... I, I a, just Trivia Tuesdays, okay? Well, that, that may be coming back soon. We'll see. We'll see what we can work out with that. That would be awesome. But, uh, yeah, so Death Cult released July 29th of 1983. And then they released... The Revolution EP, which was then followed up by. Uh, am I screwing this up? Yeah, I am absolutely screwing this up. So the Death Cult EP, then Dream Time, then Revolution, then Love. So that's how it all shakes out. So anyway. Um. I th- I think this I don't know this is kind of weird because again you're seeing me sputter with this and maybe this is just for the absolute diehards which in that case is really cool but at the same time love is like the jump jump off point for most people I think that was and, the first time I heard of them yeah and uh, Jeremy obviously you proposed this. Uh, is that first EP in Dreamtime, is it big enough in the UK to just tour the UK? I mean, I guess it depends the, the venues that they're going to be playing in. Um, if they're playing small places and charging a lot, then okay, then it makes a lot of sense. But is, is this something that they could do for a go out and tour for months on? It, it depends on the venues. Um they're obviously playing in Manchester, and I think that's a wise thing because uh, they're treated more as a goth independent band at the time. So right. they built up a lot of fans that way, and I think there's a lot of nostalgia for that sort of music. So it's gonna it's gonna translate very well. I mean, I spoke to um, 
a friend of mine locally and he's into the cult as well and we sort of like we we, we both like the heavy stuff you know that came later but he right. said to me he cannot wait to see this he thinks oh, okay. this is going to be much better than all the later stuff because he was brought he's a bit older than me as well so he brought up on this so i think they've got a lot of fans out there who you know used to go and watch them in the early days and they want to they want to see it and it's i think it's a big change isn't it from seeing all the hits being played all the time so you know even if you if even if you didn't really like that era or didn't know that era should i say um i think that you know going back to watch a band play early stuff is a bit different you know it's quite entertaining my my thing there though is how i mean i guess they can get away with just playing stuff off of love as well yeah if if you're gonna advertise it as death cult though how enticing is it going to be for them to play love removal machine and play little devil and stuff like that. That's been part of their set list for years. I mean, I think it's cool from the standpoint that, okay, yes, we're, we're busting out some old songs that we haven't played in a long time. There's going to be a certain part of our uh, fan base. That's going to absolutely love this. And it's going to freshen some things up, but will they be able to to cut things off there? Will will they not play Firewoman? Will they not play Edie Chow Baby? Uh, Dan, what do you well, think? Can can they get away with not playing some of those hits that came after that initial Gothic period? You're going to come back to Jeremy once I'm done here. I think you got to advertise, and this is the first time I'm hearing it, and I'm putting it through my mind and taking notes, but I think you have to, as a as a club owner, whoever's putting the show on, you have to put it as the cult, and then you have to play, say, as you know, the cult playing live as death cult or whatever they're going to call themselves. But you can't do the new stuff if you're going to do that. But to do it is a great idea. I'm not familiar with this material. My love is electric, and pretty much that's it for when it comes to the cult. You can call me what I am. That I'm, and I just narrowed on that album. That's an, almost a perfect. It's a perfect album, but uh, yeah, you can only you can't do the new stuff to answer your question. Okay, Jeremy, I cut you off. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to say they've actually advertised it that they're not going to play any of the new stuff. So they are actually going to cut it off on the Love album. They've oh. said that, you know, it is the Death Cult. It's Death Cult and Southern Death Cult stuff that they're going to play. Mm. They've made it very clear. Um, so I hope there's no fans going to go thinking they're going to hear, you know, later stuff because they're, they're not going to do it. But, you know, if you, if that's what you want and you know it's coming, you know, it's uh, it can be a good night out. You, yeah. you have a niche crowd here, so if people know them by that name, great. And I don't know what size of venue you're going to get, but I wouldn't. If I saw that, I wouldn't think that it's the cult with Ian. You know. Okay. Um, Brad, your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I. I mean, the, the, I don't think this would fly in the U.S. Um, because. Well, let's face it, U.S. Uh, music fans are not as sophisticated as maybe the U.K. music fans. Um, I, I, I don't see a promoter going, yeah, I, I'm willing to, to throw out the money and get the venue and spend all the money on the band because here bands are guaranteed money. And, and then to find out that, 
either only 200 people show up in a thousand seat place or the people show up and they're really pissed off because this is not what they were expecting. Uh, again, lay, as you like to call them, Victor, lazy listeners, uh, there's going to be plenty of people that show up and not know this is happening. We, we've seen it with Maiden when they do their, you know, we're all, all we're going to play is the the new album and yeah. you know, maybe a few other songs sprinkled in there. And people just lose their minds over that. And they're lazy listeners and they're not prepared for it. So. My workmate did the exact same thing. He was pissed off that the Maiden show that we both went to, he was pissed that it was new material. And I was like, what do you mean? It was a great show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, un- un- unfortunately. And it's pegged a lot on the U.S. fans, but there's plenty of fans here in Europe that if you don't play the hits, they get pissed off as well. Yeah. The, the, the so, problem is that they get drowned out by the rest of the people usually. <laughs> but but at the same time, to answer your part two of your question of who else would you like to see do that? So if I saw Kix, who's retiring and I'm sad about, if they said we're going to do stuff off of the first two albums, I'm fucking there. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah. So, you know, I don't need to hear, you know, the hits later on, you know, so it could go either way. And I have, I wrote down more bands that I think they should do it if that's what you want to ask. Yeah, go ahead. Rattle them off. Uh, you know, why, I'm just in the two minutes that I got to do. I would say not Metallica because they already do it. So right. kudos to them. But Priest, they should do that. I mean, we would go. But then you're like uh, Brad says, you're going to lose the, the fair weather. U.S. fans are going to be like, they're only playing the first three albums. Who gives a shit? And I'd be like, yeah, it's going to be great. So. Uh, you know, Anthrax and uh, Lizzie Borden. Wow. Oh, Lizzie Bush. Borden's coming to the whiskey in February. Uh, we're going to go. My wife said, great. We're going to be the only two people there. <laughs> and I laughed. <laughs> February? <laughs> yeah. Heck, I'll come. I'll come there February. you go. Three people now. We got to have three. Uh. Jeremy, how about how about you? Um, what bands would you like? Yeah, to I wrote, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down a few as well. I mean, I'd like to see Aerosmith do the first two or three albums because Ooh. they, you know, they play the odd song off them, but just very early stuff would be really good. Um, don't think it's ever going to happen. I'd love to see Kiss do early stuff. Just stick into that. Um, like it, you know, it's good stuff. And of course, Def Leppard. Oh, wow. I mean, Def Leppard have become, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what they've become. <laughs> they just haven't become <laughs> something that I like, but I would love On Through the Night and High and Dry, and it would just be um, fantastic if they played that all night. I'd definitely I'd be first in the queue for that. And the final band, I was thinking um, ZZ Top, because it, it was all bluesy stuff, and I like a bit of blues. Uh, so, you know, mm. just play all the very early stuff would be great. There's probably more out there, and I agree with Dan about Judas Priest as well. That would be really good. Brad, how about you? Um, I was going to say Axel Rudy Pell. <laughs> that was a joke. Bless his heart. Wow, I don't know. I'm kind of scanning through a list of bands here. Um, uh, well, let's, let's take somebody like Accept. I think you talked about them recently on the VMR podcast, the Victor M. Ruiz podcast, which, by the way, you can get that for only two bucks a month. 
and it's awesome. Uh, just join uh, Victor's Patreon. Uh, Signals from Mars Patreon. Uh, fantastic stuff. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I would, I, that'd be cool if accepted uh, some like really, you know, focused on the really old stuff for, for a tour. Okay. Or Udo. Well, Udo has done that. Has yeah. Yeah. Dirk Schneider stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Dirk Schneider stuff. Yeah. That's exactly what he, what he does there is, is, is just play except, but he plays all across the, the history, his history of with except. Right. I uh, think it's, I think, uh, Jeremy has it. It's Def Leppard. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, no. Yeah. Def yeah, Leppard yeah. Would, would be a great one. Um, that was I thought of too. All right. So here's, here's one that, that I would say, but I don't know that the band specifically the singer would be able to pull it off. Motley Crue focus, focus on the first two albums. I mean, I, I would, well, I mean, they, I'm sure they got the recordings and so they'd be able to do it. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, wait, wait, I got one for you. Scorpions. How about the, they just do the, the, yeah. um, Uli, the Uli era. But, but they, Scorpions, like Metallica. Did, how about they come out and just did Tokyo tapes? The, yeah. the thing with Scorpions though, like Metallica is depending on the tour, they do tend to do like a, an Uli melody yeah, so they do yeah. tend to play like three yeah. or four uli songs yeah they'll do a method They're, sometimes he comes on and helps out yeah. yeah 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 that's pretty cool um i don't know i said motley crew who else that we haven't mentioned I, i'd say i mean queens is basically doing just the first couple of albums the last few times i've seen them that's all they played maybe they'll throw in one or two songs off of anything past the first two albums well, that's because Jeff Tate owns Mind Crime and Empire, so that was- um, I don't think he owns them. Uh, he owns the rights to do the whole album and entirety of, of Mind right. Crime. Right? Okay, uh, but because I've seen him do Mind Crime songs. In fact, I know they've done Mind Crime songs. That's their. That's their. Uh, um, encore. That's their encore. Thank you. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, they play Mind Crime songs. So, but the, but for the most part, they stay off the stay off those first two albums. Okay. Another another one that I would love to see, just do songs off of um, first four or five albums, maybe, maybe too wide, uh, maybe just their second album, Dokken. But again, Don Dokken, can he can he do those? Can no. he get those lyrics? No, no. <laughs> he's. Um... I know. Have you? Well, you, I know you probably haven't seen him in a long time, Victor. But uh, Dan, you, I know you've seen him. It's it's tough. It's really difficult to watch him up there. Yeah, awful. Ooh, yeah, it's, it's heartbreaking for you. I mean, he he really. Although I got to say this, every time I've seen him recently, he's he's happier than I've ever seen him. I mean, back in the day, he seemed always pissed off when they were doing a show when he could sing, and now he just seems kind of just chill and. But smiling and 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 uh, it's it's kind of a warm thing that way. But it, when he starts singing, you just you just feel like guy. Yeah, let you know it's like looking at your dog when you it's at, at its last days. And you're like, should we should we you know how long should we let this go? <laughs> it's, it's that it's that kind of a feeling. And and I don't I don't begrudge John for wanting to be out there doing it. And but I can't I won't pay money for it. Sorry. Yeah. 
That is one hell of a review for you to write online one day. <laughs> it's like watching him was like watching when my dog is dying. You're awful. Okay. Sorry. Anthony is saying no shits given by Don. So basically, Damn. I I'll I'll give you another one. But first, the main component of this band would have to resurface. What about the first Blue Murder album? I knew we were going to get John Sykes in here somewhere. <laughs> um, well, I mean, let's see. Carmine's always saying, yes, let's do Blue Murder. Um, Tony, the bass player, is always saying, yeah, I'm in and I'm in like that. And uh, then, you know, Jeremy just has to find John Sykes so we can uh, make it happen. Mm. I thought I saw him uh, in the supermarket the other day, but it wasn't him. <laughs> it I wasn't him. Uh, no. Shame. It was a different bloke altogether. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> all right. Next topic here. New Guns N' Roses single, perhaps. Mm. Mm. Have you guys heard it? What do you guys think? Dan? I think, I mean, I, I, I like it. I'm okay with it. It sounds a lot like November Rain. The vocals are, if that's what he's got left in his throat, then that's what it is. Um, I don't think it's modulized to create that sound. I if It still feels like there's something in his throat that needs to be cleared out. But, I mean, the song is okay. It doesn't deliver anything, but it, it's good enough. It's kind of better than Chinese, but it's 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 okay. So far. Yeah, I think that's what Anthony Mackey was saying on Patreon was that it was slightly better than Chinese democracy. So, um, you know, you've got the added touch of slash and duff on the song. And it's funny because we've now heard two new songs, quote unquote, new songs by them. I'm not a big enough Guns N' Roses song to know if these are any of the leaked songs from Chinese Democracy or not, but I still think that Axel is is running the show. Um, okay, so not Anthony Mackie. I'm, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody else really had much input in writing the song. It feels like a total Axel song. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. bass does sound tight. I I don't know who's playing on it, but the bass sounds really good. The way they turn That's it up. Cool. I I just want to fix his vocals a little bit. And I don't know if I can do that. Okay. Jeremy, what did you think of the song? Yeah, I I tend to sort of agree with Dan. I I, I enjoyed it as a song. I thought it was, you know, a decent enough song. But, you know, we've heard three songs by them now. There's Rock School, I think it was called, and Absurd, which okay. was to totally yeah, yeah. absurd. I mean, that was a terrible <laughs> song. And then I think this is much better than Absurd. Obviously, you couldn't get much worse. Um it's yeah, it's good, but I just think that I just think they lack a bit of creativity, and I think they lack a bit of energy, and there's something missing from Guns and Roses now, and we're going to get onto that probably and talk about them more generally. But uh, you know, it's it's interesting. It's a nice song, but is it something I'm going to go back to? Is it something I want to hear on an album? Am I going to buy an album by them? No, I'm probably not. And I'm thinking that all these are left over from Chinese Democracy. I think probably this song is as well, really. Okay, Brad. Yeah, I don't know. I did. I I thought the song was good. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I wouldn't have changed the channel. Um, I, I thought it sounded kind of British. I thought it almost sounded like a thunder song. What do you think, Jeremy? 
I, well, I, you know, I could listen. Yeah, it did sound a little bit like that. Yeah, I, I can yeah. see what you're saying, but yeah, it doesn't sound like Guns N' Roses. Right. Maybe not. No, it, well, yeah, I thought maybe it's a bit of a use your illusion sort oh, of okay. uh, era stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there were parts of it I liked. I liked the fact that there was, you know, melody in it, which was interesting. But Thunder, right, better songs than that. Thunder, Thunder are far better. Well, yes, but, you know, but I'm just saying, I think that, that that's why when I first heard it, I thought I could, I, it's kind of like, yeah. it's like, hey, we were listening to a Thunder album and thought, hey, this would be kind of cool. Um, it was, it's definitely a not, yeah, stealing, well, I'm from their past that I could tell, but. I don't, I'm okay with it. I mean, would I would I go out and buy it? No, but I wouldn't. Change, no. I wouldn't but change the, the station if it came on. But but what I would say is, you know, this is a band that did Welcome to the Jungle. You know, I mean, where, where have they ever done a song like that again? You, you listen to that first album, and there's no, they're nothing like that album. I mean, they're they're really struggling, really struggling. You know, it's uh, it's sad. I think sometimes sometimes you just can't do it again. You know, you, you had the ma- you had the magic right at that point, and you made it happen, and no doubt. I mean, Welcome to the Jungle, that's that's a song that'll long last our lives anyway. Uh, and yeah, I don't as, as a musician, I don't know how you can sit in a room saying, "Lads, we got to do this again. We got to we got to somehow come up with uh, another Welcome to the Jungle." Because I think anytime you write like that, it doesn't come out well, right? And you know, so you kind of got to yeah. you got to just keep writing what's in your heart. As a musician, that's the way I would look at it, and hopefully, something that you do resonates with people. Yeah. Um, before going to see this Guns N' Roses tribute band cover band the other day, I I listened to my Guns N' Roses playlist, and I thought, wow, you know. I haven't listened to a lot of this in a long time, but this stuff's pretty good. And even the use your illusion stuff. And there's some stuff, uh, some stuff off of Chinese democracy that I like and some of the other singles here and there. But I just kept thinking about how people were. Um, pe- how people were thinking about. um yeah, how how Slash and Duff are instantly gonna inject something into this band? It's been the Axel project for for such a long time that yeah, this 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 song sounds nothing like a Slash's solo stuff, right? And that and that's the other thing that kind of came to mind is that Duff just released a solo album. Slash released a solo album last year. Mm-hmm. Um. Do they not care about having input in Guns N' Roses because of that? Is that part of their contract that, okay, you guys will be featured players, but Axel dictates what we do and you guys are employees. So you guys will be recording Axel's music. The, uh, the questions that Eddie trunk will never ask are those you just said. (laughs) Well, that's, that's I think a really important thing when it comes to this band, you know, what ultimately is, is going on there. What, um, because again, it's, it's hard to relive. It's hard to go back and be that hungry band 
that was that wrote appetite for destruction because they became according to them the biggest band in the world you know if all of a sudden you've got all of this money you've got every woman throwing themselves at you all types of you know excesses being thrown at you the cars that you want so on and so forth how hungry are you you know um so as much as axel has kind of slagged them for oh you know use your illusion was too bloated and it was this and it was that doesn't sound like this song is that far from from use your illusion you know it, it could almost be like estranged part two you know especially with the with the keyboard part yep so i don't know uh the second part to this question is is Guns N' Roses still relevant? To me, they're still selling a shitload of tickets based on nostalgia. So I think to a lot of people, they're still relevant. I don't know that their new music is relevant, but them as a unit, uh, as a unit, as a touring band, yeah, I think they're still they're playing stadiums. They're playing stadiums. Yeah, so I'm headlining stadiums. Who who can do that? Yeah, there's very few bands that are doing that. And, and look at, we've talked about, you know, the, the stadium tour. Oh, well, Motley Crue and Poison are doing it. Right. Motley Crue and Poison, or Motley Crue, Def Leppard, and Poison, and Joan Jett. So, um, and Anthony is saying, define relevant. You know, that's relevant to a younger generation no relevant to their older fans again for nostalgia's sake yes but for a band that you know is all of a sudden gonna sell or or have this new song streamed a hundred million times it's not gonna happen unfortunately um i i think they're i think they're missing the mark too because they are a band that likes to play new material so instead of releasing this in dribs and drabs put out put out an ep with four new songs don't do like with the um absurd and the other thing it was two new songs plus two live songs it's like okay kind of already heard these songs so i don't know uh jeremy what was the catalyst for this question the second part well just yeah just really you know it's just a a bolt-on with them releasing new material and obviously playing live at the moment just thinking about you know are they uh, a band that we still want to watch i think brad sort of answered that really you know people are paying for tickets people are going to see them i saw them um about three uh, well it was before covid uh at download festival they were on for three hours and they, they were brilliant. I really enjoyed wow. them live. They were excellent. But I think a lot of people are still going to see them because Slash is in the band. If Slash wasn't there, I don't think they'd be as popular. I mean, Slash is still fantastic. Uh, you know, he's, he's excellent live. As for new music, I don't want to hear any new music by Guns N' Roses. I'm not, I'm not bothered at all. I, honestly, the stuff they're bringing out, it's very average. It's nothing exciting. We we listen to new music from other bands, and it's so much better. So why bother? You know, um, I'll just play my appetite for destruction 
you know, several times a week and that's fine for me. Okay. So let me ask you this. If you were locked in a room and I think he is right now. Well, <laughs> yeah. if, he, if, he, if he was locked in a room by the Queen's guard and they needed to get information out of him, would new Guns N' Roses material or new Def Leppard work best to make you crack? <laughs> oh, God. Do I have to choose between the two? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I I I wouldn't want to hear either. I'd rather hear um I'd rather hear a new disco single by um by somebody. I mean, I don't I don't care for any of those either of those bands at the moment. Really don't want to hear the stuff by them because the you know the the market's flooded with new music and we hear it all the time. Right. And those are two what they call legacy bands to me. And I like their early stuff. You know, I think they're great. They're great live. I still, you know, if somebody got me, wanted to say, you know, go, do you want to go and see this band live? I'll, yeah, of course I will. I'll go and see them live. Don't want to hear their new music. Okay. Because it's crap. Metal Dan, what do you think? Uh, it would be Def Leppard that would make me crack in the room. <laughs> uh, the new material. Uh, they're still relevant in that they can sell a stadium. So that gives some weightage to the band to say they can do that without even having an opening act. Cause I, th- I don't even know if they have one. You don't need it. Just like uh, ACDC doesn't need an opening act at the stupid Indio festival, but, uh, you know, they're still relevant. They're not Taylor Swift relevant. They can do seven sold out shows and, and whatnot, but, um, they still matter. Um, I still want to hear new material. I don't I don't think they're done. I just wish that I think that they're missing the collaborators of Duff and Slash to add. And I hope I wish uh Axel would kind of let off some weight and let uh the guys make some money too off of new material. Okay. All right. Next question here. Are gigs becoming too expensive or is there still value out there? Yeah. We all know. I think we know the answer. It's, it's too expensive and uh, it's kept me from trying to even go anymore. But I, I, I looked at this question. I, I loved it. Um, you know, I went to two live shows recently. I saw y and and I saw Overkill and they were okay. But then, you know, I remember back and I seen Airborne at the Troubadour and it was freaking loudest thing I've ever heard. That show I remember. So the performance mattered. But it was, you know, it was a cheap show. That doesn't really answer your question about expensive. But yeah, because we're doing the ACDC top 10 soon, I thought about Airborne matching that and like that blew me away. Um, they're too expensive. And that Indio show coming up is too expensive. Can I, can I ask how much the ticket prices are in the States? So, yeah, it, well, they're expensive and the fees they keep adding on. So the big shows, the, the Guns N' Roses stuff is, uh, it's 200, which is comparable to uh, your area of being expensive. I think uh, Victor can relay the, translate the money. But yeah, the, the fees are high and the ticket prices are high. The Aerosmith shows for uh, they did at Vegas were stupid high six hundred dollars eight hundred dollars to get in the door to be way in the back it, it's just it's out of control 
And how how much would smaller bands be if it, you know, say, I don't know, band like Sacred Reich toured around there? $30. You, um, 30. you know, Airborne was $30. Yeah. Overkill was $30. Yeah. 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 And without all the ridiculous fees of, uh, you want to use this ticket on your app? Here's a, here's a fee. You want to, you know, and then the parking and, and all that that goes into it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and the drinks prices inside are terrible. Yeah, I don't bother with that anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that that too. If you want to, if you need that yeah. lift, yeah, yeah. So even two hundred dollars is roughly one hundred sixty pounds. Yeah, and for the Aerosmith show, oh, those I I I would want to go see Aerosmith one last time, even though it might be not even though it might be some material that I don't want to hear, but it was $800 pretty much to get in the door in Vegas. That's terrible. 200 or 630 pounds. Oof. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah, totally mad. For three hours. To hear a 40 minute version of train kept a rolling. <laughs> um, <laughs> crying. Amazing. Janie's got a gun. Loving an elevator. Exactly. No, no, they're not playing that one. They're playing uh, Don't Want to Miss a Thing instead. Oh, yeah. No no sweet emotion. They're playing uh, the ballad off of the last album instead of that. Oh. oh, my. One of four. So it's essentially a night of ballads almost. <laughs> Dude looks like a lady. Yeah. They're barely oh. alive anyway, let's face it. That's what, it's only because I shaved today. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too is it's not the original band. The Joey Kramer isn't on drums. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So that's that's the other thing. They've done well though over the years. They've actually managed to keep the band together for a long time. <laughs> unlike unlike many bands. Right. Uh, so let's see. Part two of this question is, and do we accept higher prices if a band, if bands are to survive? Now, Anthony has already chimed in and said, if your gigs are too expensive, you're going to the wrong gigs. That's the, that's the other thing that I think with with talking about new music and younger bands, a lot of these bands are opening up for others and you could probably see them for a lot cheaper. With a lot of these older bands, though, the, the prices are just way too much. I mean, if it's going to come down to, you know, whether I'm putting food on the table or if I'm going to support another band, well, then, you know, I think it's one of these things where these bands, the promoters and whatnot, never do anything to help the fans out anyway. You know, in the sense that, okay, Economy sucks. This is bad. That's bad. Oh, yeah. But by the way, we're going to jack prices up 35 to 40%. You know, um, they don't they don't care. There's very few bands that care. You know, Overkill was one band that talked about it and said, you know, we're still keeping stuff economical because we know that our fans can't afford to go out and, and do this and do that. So shit, instead of staying at a five star hotel. 
Stay at a four-star hotel instead of flying first class. Or, or with a private jet, fly coach. You know, none of the, very few of these bands are doing a Metallica-like show where it's a spectacle, where they're, where they're going to be playing 40 different songs in two nights, you know, where you're getting three different opening acts every night. You know, there's, there's just so many things there, but I don't know. Um, will you be willing to pay higher prices just to keep some of these bands alive, Brad? Wow. That's a tough question. Um, yeah, I, you know, the fact that I'm part Scottish really makes it tough for me to spend a lot of money on a show. Um, but I mean, the guy, we, we went and saw ghost, what, a couple of weeks ago. And I know the tickets were less than a hundred dollars each. They weren't great seats. They were nice seats, but I mean, you know, it's a big place outdoor outdoor venue um but i think with all the, the fees and everything it got up to around 100 bucks a piece and it's like yeah i don't know i i had a good time but yeah when i can go to m3 for 250 bucks and sit in the front row for three or two or three days and see 20 bands right that's that's bang for your buck right there i mean it's uh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. I I'm, I'm like Dan though. I like, I like going to, I like going to Vegas, seeing a band in a club there. I love going to vamped and, and, uh, it's, the vibe is great. And, uh, it's, it's fun. It costs you like 20, 25 bucks or yeah, something get- nutty by special. It's free. I don't know how they do that. Yeah, you can get more for it just from the experience sometimes. It's something intimate and whatever that's bigger that, you know, if you did go to Aerosmith and paid a lot, you've forgotten about it the next day and, and said, well, I, I know I s- saw the show, but it didn't really do anything for me. But to, to answer your question, am I going to, at my point in life, help to keep their career going? Not anymore. This is going to be on the next generation. You know, standing in line at the Overkill show, you know, the kid behind me is uh, 23, 25. He said this is his first time see an overkill and I'm wearing a shirt that has a uh, 20 year old tour dates on. I'm thinking, well, shit, how old were you when, when I was seeing this show? So that's on his generation now to pick it up, I guess. So no, I'm still paying mortgage. I'm still paying car payments. Uh, it's not on me anymore to keep these guys alive anymore. Not, not at the rate they're going. So, and it's not the same as it used to be. These poor kids today don't know how good we had it back in uh, 89 with all these shows coming through. Jeremy, how about you? Mm, well, I I wouldn't pay over the odds for the big bands because they're really um, too expensive now, aren't they? Um, as Dan mentioned, but you know some of the smaller bands, I think you know twenty, thirty quid for a night out is great. You know, and I could probably go and see Michael Schenker. I think he's playing in October for about thirty-two, thirty-five pounds. I mean, this guy's a you know guitar hero, and he's yep. worth paying that money to go and see him. And that'll be a good night. Uh, So, you know, I'll do that. But I I do appreciate for some of the smaller bands, they are saying they're not making any money out of touring. You know, you have to remember that the costs of everything have gone up. Um, It's not just the fuel fees. It's uh, it's everything, really. Um, I think one one band had mentioned this week on, I think it was Blabbermouth, they'd said that uh, the toll fees alone were costing them a huge amount of money. Uh, just you know trucking across wherever they're going um 
so you know, and they're, they're making a smaller cut from T-shirts and merchandise because the the uh, the, the venue is taking a cut now, uh, and bigger cuts than they used to, and all that sort of stuff. So it's you know the margins are very small, um, and some bands are making a loss on touring. So you know what do we do? You know, either they put the prices up because they have to make a you know they have to they have to break even or make a profit, small profit, um, and we have to pay for it in some way. Um, but it has to be at the right level. Go on, Brad. Here's my question about the, you're talking about them jacking up the prices. I don't think it's the bands that are jacking up the prices. I think it's the stuff all around the band. I think a lot of people, people are making money off this stuff other than the band. And I guess it depends on who you are, what kind of power you wield. But I think the band is just like, you know, they've got their guarantee going in. You guys are getting paid this. And then we're going to, charge the suckers coming in the door this and we're taking that money or or some of these places will be like yeah we're going to take a percentage of your merch you sell in our venue which i think that's totally wrong yeah i do it's i mean that's that's terrible yeah yeah, the business is ludicrous it's a mess man (laughs) and unfortunately most bands don't have the kind of power that uh, like a guns and roses would have to dictate you know hey we're getting this and we're getting this uh, most bands are just, you know, happy to be playing. They, they're just out there. They just want to play music. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why I saw uh, somebody had uh, had asked. Actually, Tracy Guns posted this on his Twitter. Somebody had asked Snoop Dogg about the writers' strike in Hollywood, oh. and he basically said, "Well, not for nothing." Um, as musicians, we should kind of do the same thing when it comes to streaming, when it comes to venue fees, when it comes to all these different things that we're all losing out on. And he basically said, you know, almost identical to all the writer's stuff, the musicians are going through the same thing. They've been going through the same thing. Uh, the difference is that the writers have a union. The directors have a union. The actors have a union. So, you know, the people working visual effects have a union. And it's all coming down to a lot of the stuff is AI related. A lot of the stuff is also streaming related where you have shows like Suits, for example, which I saw back in the day when it first came out. But it's had a much larger audience on Netflix than it ever did when it first originally aired on USA in the States or in other networks around the world. So the question is actors that, you know, have now had their shows streamed millions of times, but haven't seen a penny for having, you know, their acting seen in other spots. When this is all said and done, would musicians get together and do something similar? I don't think that's ever going to happen because we saw it with the advent of CDs where bands like cheap trick and, uh, and others tried to band together to get, um, money owed to them because they, there were still things in place that pertain to vinyl that were no longer relevant for CD. And there were like five or six bands that signed up for the lawsuit and none of them are huge bands. Then you had uh, when um, iTunes became a thing where a few bands said, hey, 
why are you guys keeping this percentage of the sale when there's, you know, there's, there's nothing that pertains to damaged goods when it comes to a digital download. You know, if the, if the file is damaged, you just download it again. There's no physical stuff that's actually, um, you know, that's exchanged. So why are we losing out on this? So there's a ton of different things that the artists could get together and try to handle, but I don't see that it's ever going to happen. And I think that ultimately, you know, ultimately there's going to come a point where unless something changes in the business model, I hate to say it, but, you know, with the fear, with what people are seeing on TV, with not only the streaming stuff, but with AI, it's going to take over for music as well. You know, I, I don't see that unless something happens in the next few years that there's there's a clean cut and dry future with this business model. I think it's going to change a lot and bands are going to lose even more. Um Let's see. Anthony is saying that Skindred, he's got tickets for them for twenty six ninety. The Darkness forty two. Um, TMGB <laughs> thirty nine and thirty two and a half pounds says. And Paul uh, McNamus tonight for free. And let's see, Anthony or not Anthony? Sorry, Metal Dan. What are you? So G and R is going to play about two and a half hours away from me on a Sunday night in October. Mm -hmm. Take that into consideration. And they're going to start at six when I got to leave and when I'm going to come back. The if I'm going to sit way in the back of the stadium for the wife and I, it's going to cost about two hundred dollars. It's way in the back. If I want to get a little bit better, it's going to cost about six hundred U.S. for the both of us. Should I go? No. Oh, no, uh, Brad said no. The coach says no. <laughs> he already, there is your answer. You know, but if you wanted, if, if it was, a, if, uh, yeah, I don't know what it would, who it would take for me to spend that kind of money. But I'm a cheap bastard, so. Blue Oyster Cult. I wouldn't even spend, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend that kind of money. I mean, I was tempted to go to that with New York when they were doing uh, the first album, the second album, the third album uh, in entirety on three nights. I thought, oh, that'd be so cool to go to. And I probably would have spent, um, I don't know, maybe 500 bucks. I, I figure you got to fly to New York, the hotel and everything probably would have cost me a thousand dollars. I might've been able to, I might've done that if I could have swung it schedule wise, but uh uh, uh, All right. Let, let it me. Probably, it wasn't that good. Let Let me ask you this. Um, six hundred dollars for the ticket, and they let you go up on stage and play one song with them. <laughs> Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Hot reels to hell. <laughs> yeah. They They let me get up there and sing it. Play it and sing it. Because I know Joe Bouchard's not going to play with them. So why not? Why not me? Um. Yeah, I'd pay six hundred bucks to do that. Although they they should actually pay me a little bit. I'm just saying. <laughs> I tell you what, back in the day, I won a contest through KNAC, which is a radio thing, and yeah. I got and my wife and I got to do a thing with Great White with with Jack Russell back in the day, and we got to go on stage and sing the last song with them. 
fucking amazing experience, right? What and was I paid it? money what for was that. The song? Once I think it was once bitten, twice shy. I think, yeah, I think we got yeah. to do the chorus. And whether we were actually our mic was live, I don't care. No, but it was an amazing experience. So yeah, that is awesome. But I wouldn't pay to do that. But I would, I would, I would go up there and sing with them. Yeah, let's go. That's well, that's that's a band that I could have mentioned also that I would like to see them do their early albums on tour. Now, if they had the new kid, they can pull it off and do it. Yeah, they're they actually wanna. doing stuff off the first album uh, with him. Yeah. Which is cool. It sounds really good. Which is awesome. All right, last point of the night. What makes a great reissue? And, and it's an interesting time that this comes up because Motley Crue is, I guess, now repackaging all of those splatter vinyls that they couldn't sell off. And now they're selling them as a shout at the devil box set. Uh, Green Day is doing a box set for Dookie. And I was surprised. I didn't think it was it was too badly priced. Not anything that I could go out and afford, but I think it was like 140 for that box set. And it's like a six vinyl set with um, with the original album demo outtakes two complete shows and something else. The Motley crew is head scratching because they've released shout at the devil already like five times. So their songs missing off of this reissue that were released previously. There are things that are on here that weren't on previous ones. So Mm. feels like total crash grab to me, but to you guys, what what makes you guys think that it's what makes it a worthwhile for you to pick up a reissue? What makes a great reissue? So to me, it's got to have improved sound quality. So you got to have a problem with it already where something was janky at, at to begin with, like a, a Born Again Black Sabbath or a, a low quality kicks album or something like that. Or, for instance, what's not worthy is like ZZ Top LaGrange, where you just put the drums in and you gave it a heavier shuffle. That was fine and all, but that's not a selling thing. So it has to improve on the sound quality, which Motley Crue did in one of those re-releases. Right. It sounded better. So it's either that and then or you add something that we haven't heard before. A live, something like Maiden had done with an unreleased live recording from somewhere that was unique and had Bruce instead of, you know, somebody else. Or, you know, there's live material or a song you haven't heard that hasn't already been released before all that over and over and over again. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Anthony says he would settle for no typos. (laughs) There have been those. (laughs) Several re-releases. Jeremy, what makes a uh, worthwhile reissue for you? Yeah, I kind of agree with with Dan there on a few points. I mean, it has to be a band that you really want, uh, you know, a band you really like, and it has to be, you know, something that's released on, you know, 180 grams vinyl or something, and it has to be better sounding than the original, Uh, something that's, you know, quality sound that you think, wow, I didn't hear it like that the first time. It's, you know, it's it's good. Uh, I like the fact when bands actually release the CDs as well or give you the CDs free with with the vinyl, um, cause I do play CDs as well. So it's good to have the, you know, both in there. 
Um, I like a signed copy sometimes as well. So if bands could do more signings, that would be great. Uh, you know, remaster it, uh, sign it, CD. You know, you got a lot for your money. And uh, what Dan said then, um, if they've got some old demos, you know, some old songs that are unreleased, because I've got the Scorpions box set and there's, you know, there's some old songs in each of those. Uh, which I've never heard before, and and some of them are a bit rough, but some of them are good to hear. And you know, there's there's one or two good songs on there which they never put on album, so it's great. Scorpion Scorpions let me down with those reissues because it would have been the perfect chance to release. Uh, is it Love at First Thing with um, Bobby Rondinelli and with uh, Jimmy Bain? And yeah. they could have done Blackout uh, with Don Dockin. Blackout with Don Dockin. That would have been cool. And we really? got none of those. So, and I'm not saying that that other stuff isn't cool, but mm. they had it right there. They, it was right there for the taking, mm. where I think a shitload of diehard fans would have wanted to hear both both versions of that stuff and we didn't get it. So, um, how much would you pay for an autograph for a reissue? What difference? It depends on if I have it already. I do it. I do it. Uh, sometimes it feels cheapened out cause you don't know if they really signed it or not, but <laughs> I would like to think that if Ozzy really, if Ozzy lift released it, that it was authentic. Right. Uh, I pay a little bit more and I buy those sometimes. Yes. I prefer not to have to pay for it that I actually know who I got. Uh, but I've done it enough that I've already gotten my heroes except for Ozzy and I'm good. I have a signed uh, maiden real writing, Steve Harris. Well, and I met Steve Harris, but I got that from the fan club. So I know that if it came from them, I did pay for it, but it, it you know, it's real. Gotcha. Dan, I have Ozzy's autograph on the end CD, and it's in the will, and it's going to you. <laughs> Man. Excellent. That's that's beautiful. Beautiful. Brad, how about you? What makes a good um, reissue, and would you pay extra for an autograph? Uh, big thing is uh, that Dan already stated was the sound. I mean, if they really somehow polish that thing to where the sound is good, not just pushed, you know, but really, really good. It's, it's gotta be, yeah. Yeah. That would, that would move the needle for me. Cause I'm always looking for better sounding stuff. Um, the other thing for me is uh, when they, when they throw in a Blu-ray or a DVD of a concert, that, that is huge for me because I, I, I like watching concerts in uh, my theater and well, it's it's kind of cool. Crank it up and just sit back and be like, yeah, this is, this is pretty cool. Metallica is live tonight and Sunday in our theaters here in the U S from the shows in Texas. I don't think I'm going to go, but uh, having the Blu-ray is a good thing. And then speaking of Metallica, they did their reissues of, uh, you know, masters and it sounded exactly the same. What was the point of that? Right. And and Justice for All, which was the the big one, and it sounded uh, exactly the same. Yeah, the, the Motley Crew, like you said, when they redid "Shout at the Devil" and really pumped up the the volume on that, I love that. Um, 
Kiss when they re-released Creatures of the Night and gave it the original sound that you got in the vinyl was great. But then they just did the box set. And I really wanted that box set. And once, you know, I, I saw that it was going to be on streaming platforms, I checked it out and I'm like, oh, okay. Sounds exactly the same as that, you know, the reissue from back in uh, 96. And then there, you know, there were two cool demo tracks. Everything else was take four of this song, take five of this song. It's like, okay. And just pick the best version of the demo and give me that. Don't give me, oh, there's, there's, you know, 70 unreleased demos. Right. But 25 of them is the song Heaven parts one through 36. <laughs> so, I mean, big deal. Guns N' Roses did that with, uh, with Use Your Illusion. Oh, um, three hours of unreleased live material. And it's like, wait a second. This fucking bootleg has been available for years. To, to people that were really into the band. That's another one that annoys me that Priest has been doing forever too. Wait a second. That was a, that was a VHS. Well, what's the big deal about releasing it on CD? You know, okay. Awesome that you did that, but it, that shouldn't be the selling point. And for the first time on CD, this, Hey, wait a second. That's the fueled for life, you know, VHS. Come on. So the the autographs are kind of touchy with me because sometimes they're ridiculously priced. And behind me, I do have funny. I was reading something with uh, where is it right over here? Ronnie James Dio's signature. Ah, oh. and that's from that's pretty cool. The Killing the Dragon re-release, which had the one unreleased song, Electra, And what else? I think it may, there may be a live album with that. Uh, what's, what's Brad whipping out here? This is an actual autographed poster uh, with Roger Daltrey and, and uh, Pete Townsend on here. Oh, that's cool. This is a gift to me. Look at there. There we go. That's, that's a awesome. great poster. Did they uh, sign? They signed it for you? Oh. No, not for me. For uh, the the guy, the guitar player in the bluegrass band I'm in, he uh, did uh, did some work for them. He's an artist. Oh, okay. they they signed this, and he gave it to me. And I I can't figure out how to get it get it on the wall without messing it up. But it's it's a legit autograph from Pete Townsend and Roger Daltrey. Well, there's a clue from the beginning of the episode. Brad's in a bluegrass band, so obviously he's moving to Kentucky or Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I won. I think I got it. Yeah, yeah, my bluegrass days may be over. We'll see. We'll see. But it makes me happy to know that Anthony's going to mention Marillion in uh, this episode. So, yeah. So Anthony is saying Marillion have done top-notch reissues, remix, 5.1 mixes, making of documentaries on Blu-ray, live shows, etc. I still didn't buy them. I guess reissues are not for me. I mean, I love what Metallica has done. And the first few were quote-unquote economical at $199. The last... Three have been two ninety nine. I mean, that's that's a hundred 
dollar jump, hundred euro jump. And as cool as I think it would be to have them, I came to the realization that I'd probably play the entire thing once and never play it again. So it's, it's one of these things where would it be absolutely awesome to have? Yes. Without a doubt. But again, Mm, are there other things where I should put my money towards instead of having this box set? Yeah, probably. So I'll probably just go with the, you know, like I did with the, with the black album and like I did with, um, garage days where I just got the limited edition, uh, uh, regular vinyl and that's it. Just because I economically, I just, didn't make sense to me to do anything else. So uh, sound is a big deal to me. And and that's, you know, I mentioned to you guys, I, I went into a record shop recently with my kids and they had those docking reissues of those first few Electra albums. They had the rat albums as well. And I asked the guy because it was, it was 30 some odd euros for all five CDs. I'm like, okay, it's not bad. And I said, what does it sound like? Does it sound like the original albums or did they redo the sound? He goes, no, no, it sounds like the original. I'm like, man, Cherry Red reissued these. They they improved the quality and they've released all 10 of these albums in Japan with superior sound as well, which are similar mixes. They've done, they've done Skid Row. They've done Pantera and slowly... They've been reissuing all of these discographies with the same old sound. I don't get it. If if there's something that sounds better out there, it's it's more of a selling point than just repackaging this stuff. And I get it if you want the vinyl, but the CDs they're the they're the same fucking CDs that they messed the sound up on the first time around when they were released them on CD. No, mm-hmm. there's better sounding stuff out there. So. In any event, I've been uh, throwing up QR codes for uh, merch for Patreon to support this stream as well. Thank you to the people that have scanned them. I see that they've been scanned a bunch of times during the show. Nice. Uh, Anyone want to check out any of this merch, just go to signalsfromars.com. Just go to where it says merch across the top of the, uh, the homepage. And you will find the merch page where you can pick up any of the cool stuff that I flashed during the episode, the t-shirt, the hoodie, the windbreaker jacket, or the bomber jacket. There is other merch available as well. And again, Patreon for as little as two bucks a month. You can be part of our ACDC discussion on the 25th, which, oh yeah, is next week. And I'm starting to get people's lists already. Oh, so. Some uh, some cool stuff. We, we shall we shall see. Oh, there's there's Dan teasing everyone. That wasn't an easy list for Dan. I can tell from, from the messages I was receiving. Jeremy was, was hard. Was it hard for you? Yeah, really hard. Okay. Yeah. You don't you don't suck. Uh, you you don't suck, but it was hard. It's a hard homework assignment. <laughs> One of the most difficult ones, and I don't know who was more difficult, but we'll find out over time. Mm. Yeah, the the question looms. It's I, 
What 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 album is going to be number one? That's that's going to be a big one. Mm. And I think the other the other big thing is who gets more albums in the top ten? Bon yeah. or Brian? I'm I'm curious. This is going to be a good one. Wow. Mm. Either and either. I hear and I hear the Victor kids may join and give Brad uh, all the praise that they want to give as Brad's their favorite. That's what I heard. <laughs> that can't be true. That's fake news. I I don't know that they'll join, but but they're putting lists together. Good deal. Good. So should should be interesting. Let's see. Let's see if their votes help tip things one way or another. Yeah, because I'm here curious to hear what the young generation can thinks of ACDC sound. So they don't have to be on voice if they don't want to. But if you just get, we'll see what they lean towards. I'm curious. All I'll all I'll say is this: when we were in the record shop. My oldest son wanted an ACDC CD, and all they had was Power Up and Rocker Bust. He already has Power Up. He got it for his birthday. So he told me, because he said, if I didn't have this, this would, this would be what I was going home with. And he asked me, he said, is Rocker Bust good? I'm like, mm, not really. <laughs> uh, we know that's not going to be in Victor's top 10. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, ACDC, looking forward to next week, considering who is the biggest band. It might be ACDC. I mean, Aerosmith and whatnot. But I think ACDC transverses the whole lineage of whether you're into hard rock or whatever, you know. If you're into any music, because I think they've got songs that you shook me all night long, which are pop culture. There's songs of theirs that made it into huge movies. I mean... The Iron Man soundtrack is basically ACDC greatest hits. Uh, he essentially appears in a scene with Shoot the Thrill at the beginning of Iron Man 2, you know, Bob, so on and so forth. So we'll see. It'll be a fun episode. It'll be a fun discussion. And I think people will be pleased either way. Listen, as I always say, we do these episodes to revisit albums. To turn people on to new albums, but I think people will argue about what ended up where, and it'll force them if they haven't listened to some of these albums beforehand, it'll force them to go back and check albums out. It'll force people to buy albums as well. They'll say, what? Flick of the switch. I didn't think it was that good, but after revisiting it, holy shit, is that a great album? You you fucker, you did that to me. That's exactly what happened. And I'm going to go get some material now. I'm getting a shirt. Yeah. See that? My my son, my son ended up getting a Highway to Hell t-shirt. So instead of the CD. Awesome. Could could be could be uh could be his uh his wardrobe for his first day in uh in high school. So we'll see. <laughs> Or secondary school for for those of us in Europe. In any event, I want to thank Jeremy for coming up with most of these points. Want to thank Metal Dan for joining us once again. (laughs) Yeah, getting the sides is tricky. And uh, I want to thank Dr. Poison. The countdown is on. It's me. Yes, Dr. Poison. I'm still a doctor and I still I think about poison once in a while. Let's see. When when you move to Idaho, let's see if we can we can start doing the Dr. Poison stories. You just gave it away. 
All right, guys. Thank you to those watching, listening, whatever it is. Thank you, Anthony, who's been uh, chatting with us all night as well. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Wish you were here to chat with us in person. There you go. So his list has been submitted easy. So it's submitted easy. There you go. Awesome. Thanks, guys. We will see you next time right here on Signals from Get the Damn Video Ready. Uranus. <laughs> Signals from Mars. See you, folks. to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to SignalsFromMars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 